All right. Thanks, bro. Yes, I heard it. Yeah, that was. Hey, thanks, man. So yeah, the interns were at it again. So you're welcome. Um, we get to enjoy that. So like like Clark said, um, last week we started a new sermon series, a little mini three-part sermon series um, called "Me and Jesus's Words." So the idea behind that is. Um, Previously, we just finished up a, a sermon series called Jesus in His Own Words. So we kind of saw what Jesus had to say about himself, who Jesus was, in his own words. So now we're looking at three, um, three weeks and three things of what Jesus has to say about us, about me, about all of us. And um, we, we're finding ourselves in Galatians. And there's, uh, so we started in Galatians yesterday. We're going to go in Galatians today. And next week, we'll be in Galatians as well. So I encourage you guys to, to read up on Galatians. But... Um, we landed here because, you know, there's only, we, we have a three weeks to do this, and really we could take this, in, like, entire year, and we could go through what Jesus has to say about us for a long time. There's so many different things, but we're landing ourselves on three things in Galatians. So, uh, last week we said, we, we started in Galatians 1, uh, Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, and we said, actually what Paul said, Paul's the author of the book here, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So that's what we, we kicked it off last week with that. And what we were saying is that the, the, the Bible is the very words of God. So though we're going through Galatians and we're saying that this is me and Jesus' words, what, what the Bible has to say is really what Jesus has to say. So Paul is writing. But Jesus would have to say the same thing for us. So last week, we, we looked through and we said that I am accepted. So when we have faith in Jesus Christ, um, that he was uh, born a human, um, though all God, and that he, he went to the cross and died for us, raised again, and we have tr- when we trust in him, put faith in him in every aspect of our life, then, we, then we're accepted by God. And it's nothing that, that we could do within ourselves um, by our human effort to, to, to get acceptance by God. So that's what we said last week. And... Um, Again, Paul is just affirming what we believe about the Bible. So we kind of talked about what we believe here as Grace Church about the Bible and how we hold it to high value of you know what God is saying to us. And we said if you're if you're looking for God to to speak to you, start reading the Bible. He's right here. And um, we have what is called a deeper dive that we started last week as well. So the deeper dive goes a little bit more in depth than, than what I'm going to do up here and on about what we believe um, as far as the Bible goes. And then we'll have one again for today about the topic that we're going to be talking about as well. So I encourage you after the message, go over to the Welcome Center and pick up the deeper dive if you want to get a little more information on, on what we're doing. Pastor Seth, he does a great job in, in doing that for us. So that is available for you guys. And um, just to put some more context to what we're talking about, we did this last week here, but if you guys weren't here, we're just going to talk about again why we're going through Galatians, what's going on in this church here. So this church in this area of Galatia was, was produced by the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote this letter. It was produced by him in his proclamation of the gospel. So he, went, he was going around, he, had, he was on this missionary journey. He goes to this area of Galatia, and he tells them about Jesus. He's like, hey guys, if you want to be accepted by God, you've got to have faith in Christ. And they're like, oh, that's sweet, let's build a church. So they built the church, and then um, he's writing to this church, and he's saying, uh, he's saying, wow, you guys were doing really good up until you know, I left the church. So when the pastor left, and continue on his missionary journey, uh, some false teachings came in. And last week I was like, hopefully that's not, that's not me with this, ser- this series since, since Pastor Tony's on vacation. But that's what happened in this church, and 
what these false teachings were was these, uh, these um, Jewish Christians were trying to tell new converts, uh, new Christians, that, yeah, you can have faith in Christ, that's what Paul said, but you've got to do all these other things. Like, if you really want to be accepted by God, you're going to have to, like, obey him. You're going to have to, like, do these works of the law, is what they were called. And we kind of described the works of the law was um, this idea of the Mosaic law. Okay? So this is, like, Bible study stuff here, but the Mosaic law... We said and in the first five books of the Old Testament, you see everything that God spoke through Moses to, to tell the people of Israel, the chosen people, that, um, how, to, how to live their life for God, right? So how, how to live their life, um, their instructions for how to worship God, how to live as Israelites under God as chosen people. So that's the law, and, and these guys were like trying to supplement faith with the law. So Paul had a huge, uh, he, he had a huge problem with this. He's like, that's not the gospel. You're, you're adding to it, and you're diminishing the gospel. So that's what's happening there. And uh, we ended in chapter 2 last week. And like, again, we said that we, we were seeing that Jesus is saying that I am accepted when I have faith in him and trust in him. And um, pretty much we're going to get into the end of chapter 3 and go through um, the chapter, chapter 4 as well. What happens in between there is kind of the same thing that we talked about last week. So I encourage you guys to check that out um, on our website, um, podcast, whatever, however you want to get there. And um, Paul is basically telling us um, up until the point that we're going to be getting into today that the Galatians, he was just like, Galatians, how are you so foolish to, to follow the law instead of faith? So he keeps ramming this idea in there. He's like, man, it's not by human effort. You cannot earn your way to God. All you have to do is put your trust and faith in Christ to be accepted by God. So that's what we're saying. That's just a little context for us. Um, let's get, jump right into it. Uh, Galatians 3, chapter 3. If you have a Bible, go to chapter 3. If, um, if you don't have a Bible or a new translation of the Bible, there's Bibles in the seats in front of you. And I encourage you guys to go there, page 812. Uh, if, you, if you're a smartphone or tablet person like me, get on Version. It's a free app. We like to use that. And there's also live events on there as well. So we'll have live events up for you to, to kind of interact in that way too. So how do we want to get there? Get there, Galatians 3, verse 26. And here's what Paul says. He says here, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So I, I really like what Tim Keller says here. Um, he's a Christian author. What Tim Keller says, he has a quote up here. He says, this sonship, so in verse 26, when he says, you are all sons, he, said, he refers to it as this idea of sonship. So this sonship comes through faith in Christ Jesus. He keeps nailing this point, just like Paul is. Um, we are only his sons when we have faith in the Son, being Jesus. It is through faith that God adopts us. That's the word right there, adopts us. So what, what Paul is saying, what Tim Keller is saying, ultimately what Jesus is telling us is that I am adopted. That after being accepted, I, can, I am adopted into, into this kingdom. I am adopted. So that's what Jesus has to say for us. And um, what, so what does that actually mean, right? He's saying sons, and it's like, wait a minute, does that, does that include like females? Like what's going on here? So let's, let's check out this idea of sonship. I think it's really important that, that he does say sons here. Some of your translations might say children of God or sons and daughters of God, which is, I mean, it's right. It's what he's trying to say. But I think if we, if we don't look at the, the concept of son or sonship, then we kind of lose the power of the statement. And um, I, well, let's go back to the Greek for that. And I'm a Bible student, so I'm like, I like the Greek. So I looked it up, and hoios is the Greek word 
And not to be confused with huevos, which I thought it said at first, so I said huevos, and my friend was like, dude, that's eggs in Spanish. <laughs> I was like, oh, whatever. So not to be confused with that, but huevos, um, which means sons, here's the definition. It's generally used of the offspring of men, the children of Israel, sons of Abraham. So that's, that's what he's talking about here. And uh, just, just so you guys know, for the ladies out there, um, other, elsewhere in the Bible, he refers to all of us, men including. In Revelation, he says that we are all brides of Christ. So it's very intentional that he's, he's using the masculine form here, and for that verse, the, the feminine form as well. So it's not discriminative in any way, but he's actually he's touching on something really important here. So in Paul's culture, the culture where, where we get the context here, in Paul's culture, the symbol for, for son or sonship meant that you inherited. It was an inheritance and a status thing, okay? We'll get back to that. We'll, we'll go back to that in a little bit, but even, even more so before Paul's, um, before Paul's time in his culture, in the Old Testament, God himself, he referred to his chosen people, which is Israel, he referred to them as sons, okay? So he referred to them as sons. So the big deal about this is because when he says sons, he's actually saying that we are all, doesn't matter who you are, and he'll say this again in, in the next couple of verses, but he's like, doesn't matter who you are, we are sons, which means we, we enter into the promise that was for Israel, right? We can all now be chosen people, the chosen people of God. So that's really important to, to pick that up, and it's for us, for all of us. So those of us who have faith and trust in Christ and Jesus, we, we now all get to enjoy the full status of being God's people. It's not limited, it's not exclusive to just Israel like it, like it might have been in the Old Testament there. So whether we're accepted, like we talked about last week, or adopted, um, again, as Paul's going to continue to say, that it's not by human effort. It's nothing in our, that we can do in our own to, to kind of earn this, to kind of earn exception or adoption. Uh, when, you, when you think about adoption, I know for me at least, uh, I think about like orphans, right? So like an orphan, they can't, they don't within themselves choose who they're being adopted by, right? I mean, that's, that, that's the orphanage, that's what they're doing, and it's by the grace of the people adopting that, that they get to be adopted, okay? So same thing for us, that we don't, we don't earn that. It's, it's just given to us. It's a free gift from God. So as we continue through the passage here, I'm just going to kind of work through this passage uh, verse by verse in a way, and with this question in mind. The question is, what, are the, what then are we adopted into? Okay, if, if Jesus is saying that I'm accepted, I have faith in him, I'm accepted. Now if Jesus says that I'm adopted, what does that mean? Put this question in our minds while we're thinking through this. So the first one, there's going to be three parts to this. The first one, we are adopted into a new image. We're adopted into a new image. Let's pick up at verse 27 to see what we're talking about here. This Paul says in verse 27, he says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, the beautiful thing is that looking back to Genesis 1.27, looking all the way back to Genesis, he says that God created man in his own image, in the likeness of God. We were created, right? So originally, when it was all good, right, when God declared everything good, it was like, man, we were created in his image. We were designed to reflect God. To be in God's image was to reflect God in character, to reflect God in morality, to reflect God in relationships, to be set apart from everything else that God had made. Okay? So God made a lot of things, but he made us in his image, and it was good. Until, and that's a disastrous thing, 
uh, until we, we took that image and we destroyed it, right? We distorted it, we perverted it. We, when we sinned against God, when we, when we abandoned um, God back then in Genesis, and even today now. And so when we're adopted, we're adopted into a new image, which means that we, we get to again reflect God, okay? We get to reflect God again like we were originally designed to do when we, when we put our faith in Christ. In verse 27, he talks about baptism here. I just want to touch on that real quick. Baptism, I think it's really important, and um, it, it's through baptism that we get to like, express ourselves in the way of, um, like, it's an outward expression of an inward decision. So I think when, you know, when a lot of us, when we come to Christ, and the Bible says that we should get baptized, right? And it's not, don't hear me out wrong here, it's not that we are saved by doing baptism, right? That would be the thinking that Paul is kind of like against with the Jews. They're like, you've got to do these things to be accepted by God. So you've got to get baptized or else you're not a real Christian. And it's like, well, that's not true. We, we put our faith in Christ. That's why we're accepted. That's how we're adopted. But baptism is a really great way to symbolize that, to show others that, like, wow, look, um, I'm made in this new image. I want to I show you this image by, by this uh, symbolization of, of being baptized. So I'd encourage you, if you're, if you're someone who has been going to our church and you've been hearing the gospel and you've been really affected by the gospel um, and you put your faith in Christ, I would encourage you to, to get with your life group leader and talk about, talk about baptism and get baptized. Again, not to be saved, but to, to proclaim that, to proclaim who you are in your new image. If you don't have a life group, get a life group. And then uh, that's, that's the main way that, that we do these things here. So we're very fond of those things. So that's what we're talking about, um, baptism. Next thing here, he says... Uh, you're baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. It's kind of a weird thing to say, but that's this whole idea of image, right? When we clothe, our, when we clothe ourselves with something, it's like our image. It's, it's what other people perceive of us. So what I'm wearing, you perceive that I'm a, I don't know what you perceive, but I'm wearing flip-flops and a, a baseball tee because I like them. But it's like image. It's what other people perceive of you. To put it another way, um, think of uh, like pro, pro sports, professional sports, right? Anybody here a fan of soccer, right? World Cup's going on right now? Yeah, I didn't. Okay. One. <laughs> we got one person. Two. Okay, there might be several, but I just thought it'd be relevant because, you know, it's, it's happening, so I heard. I don't watch it either, but either way, um, it, it's happening. I, I'm not joking. So I have this picture of, um, that I found. I'm pretty sure that's from this year. Let's assume it's this year. That's what's going on. So if you look at these guys' shirts, right? This is the whole idea. You look at these guys' shirts, and you might not be able to see it because it might be a little blurry for you, but on their shirts and on pretty much everything, you see Nike, right? You see Nike on their shirts, on their shorts, probably their underwear, their socks, everything. So what is this image, this image that they're portraying, right, of Nike? And now, now we all know that, you know, it, it's probably not something that in themselves are like, man, I am sold out for Nike. For them, it's probably like Nike just paid the biggest price to be the image of the U.S. soccer team, right? But I think, um, I think there's an interesting struggle with that there that, that I know I personally struggle with myself, and maybe some of you guys do too, but this idea of like we have an image that, that might be different than, than who we actually are, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but um, so this idea of we, we struggle with our image, we, we worry, I know for me specifically, like it's so easy for me to get caught up and worried about branding, right? Like, ooh, i got to have the reef sandals because well, they're the most comfortable. But they're brand name, right? But it's like, i got to have this, or i got to have this certain image, and i got to look like this. And, man, if, if only if I could just look like this, like, people will think that I'm wealthy and smart and intelligent, and I don't know, whatever people think about me. I just want to be good, right? So that's, like, image. It's what others perceive of us. And I think, uh, I think we all struggle with that, at least, at least I do for sure. 
if only I had this, I could look this certain way. And uh, I think on the flip side, the other extreme is like we could, we could be people who, um, you know, we shouldn't, people shouldn't know that we're a child of God or followers of Christ by our I love Jesus t-shirt, right? But they should be uh, a follower, they should know that you're a follower of Christ because of our I love Jesus lifestyle instead, you know what I'm saying? So our image could be really close connected to, to what we think of ourselves inside as well. And um, the, the question is then, how are we, how are we glorifying Christ with our, with our image, with our reflection? How are we reflecting Christ? Because it's not bad to have a brand name. It's not bad to have an I Love Jesus t-shirt, nothing like that. It's not a bad thing, but how are we reflecting Christ, really? You know, I think, I think it starts with our, with our words. It's our love. It's our character. Bring that out to other people. It's how, how do we love people? And how do we, how do we um, view, how do we reflect God in our relationships? Things like this, like everyday life stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like not just a t-shirt and something like that. So um, I think, <laughs> I think uh, if we, a lot of us, we could have the I Love Jesus t-shirt, right? We could have the image and say, say I'm somebody with an I Love Jesus t-shirt, yet I'm gossiping with my coworker about somebody else. I'm like, I'm not reflecting Christ at all, but I'm wearing the image that I am. So I think that's a huge struggle, at least for me. So when we're adopted to a new image, it's something that should, should affect our entire lives, right? Not just how we, how we look at other, how other people perceive us or what we wear or something like that. And um, I think the issue, though, too, is that it's, it's very normal. It's very normal in our culture to, to take our image and allow that to dictate who we are, who we are, like what we are in our status, what we are culturally, who we are, and all those kind of things. And looking at verse 28, Paul is like, stop. <laughs> He's like, stop doing that. He's like, your, your image, um, you're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it differently. Like, your, your image um, is, is supposed to unite us in Christ, right? Not that we're all supposed to, you know, wear the same thing and act the same exact way. That, that's just robotic. But he's saying here in verse 20, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. So as the church, we, we are to be all like-minded, one in Christ. Our image should reflect God, Right? So with that said, no one is superior to you, okay? No one here in the church, no one here in this room is superior to you. We're all on equal playing field. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It doesn't matter that if you get a bigger paycheck than I do, which you probably do. It doesn't matter what car you have, nothing like that. We are all united in Christ, okay? And that's what he's saying here. He's saying none of you are insignificant. We are all significant. We have the, we have the same spirit, those of us who, who put our faith in Christ. So none of that stuff matters. The, sto- the social barriers, the status barriers, those are all torn down. That's, that's stuff that the world judges people by. But in Christ, it's not a thing. So we were created a new image, or we are adopted into a new image, number one. Number two, the second thing here, we, what else are we adopted into? We are adopted into a new family. Adopted into a new family. Let's pick up in verse 29. Paul says, If you belong to Christ, then you are, an, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he is subject to guardians and trustees until the set time or until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. It's really interesting what he's saying here. And um, when I was reading some commentaries about this, um, several commentaries were like, 
oh yeah, there's, there's really no good analogy for this kind of thing, you know, being adopted into the kingdom of God and um, being adopted to a new family. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's pretty true. I don't know if I said that because I'm just lazy, but I'm just like, yeah, I believe that. There's no good analogy. You know, it's, it's so much more vast than we can think of. But um, I don't know. I, I just think of my own life. I'm like, well, I don't have an epic story about adoption or anything like that in my own life. But I do recall um, uh, like a month or so ago, my grandmother passed away and we, we buried her with my grandfather who passed away several years prior to that. And I remember just looking at my mom and being like, oh man, she's, you know, my mom, she doesn't normally like give out her emotions too much. And she was just, of course, you know, a little sad. And so I go up to her and I try to console her. I'm like, mom, like, how are you feeling? Like, how are you really feeling? Like, just talk to me. Like, let's talk this out. And the first thing she said to me is like, I feel like an orphan. She's like, my mom's gone. My dad's gone. I feel like an orphan. And it's like hopeless, right? There's a sign of like hopelessness in her. And I'm just like, man, uh, I understand that. I mean, there, there's definitely going to be pain in this world. Not to dilute that. There's going to be pain. It's going to be hard. But what I, just, what I was telling her and what I want us to know too is like, yeah, that's going to happen. That's going to happen to each and every one of us. But do we know that there's a father in heaven who, who loves us, right? God considers himself a father to us. So we have a Father in Heaven who invites us into the family of God. And it's like, man, how awesome is that, right? Knowing that it's like, Mom, you, you could be in this family. Like, Jesus just wants you to trust him. And it's like, God is our Father. He's a loving Father who he wants to lead us and to guide us and help us through these things. It's like, man. So I just think that's it's really important. That's um, one of the reasons why I actually wanted to talk about adoption. It's like getting that reaction from my mom and just like, man, that's something good to know. It's like knowing that we have a Father in Heaven. It's so good. And so this, this idea of a new family goes back to a promise made a long time ago to Abraham from God. God promised Abraham um, for his family to have blessings and for his family to have land. Okay, and so in verse 20, where are we at here? Verse 29, good. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the promise is blessings. The promise is this land, okay? And the seed, Abraham's seed, is ultimately Jesus, right? Jesus, big brother, sent by the Father to come save us, rescue us, invite us into a new family, invite us to have the inheritance that Jesus has. So Jesus is part of that family line uh, where that promise is going to. And, okay, so he inherits, inherits that promise, that land, that kingdom in heaven, he, and he gives all those things to us who had faith in him, who would have faith in him. So he's like, man, this can be yours too. This eternal life, this offer of being invited into the family of God, this can be yours too. And he wants you to know that. And so looking back into Paul's culture, like I was saying earlier, Paul's culture, this idea of son, being, um, being sons of God, it's so important because um, this means that uh, it, back in his day, if, if, if you're the firstborn son of a father, like you were the one who inherited everything that the father owned, right? Either when, either when the father passed away or at the set time that the father gave. So like if you became an adult, which I think in that culture was like 20 years old or something like that. So only that person, only the firstborn son would receive the inheritance. And so he's like, even before that, um, using that analogy, he's like, you, you're kind of a slave to something else because you have this inheritance that you know you're going to get, but you don't get it until the time comes where either your father passed away or the set time where you're an adult or he, whenever he wants to give that to you. So that happens. And then he says to us as well that 
like for us. <laughs> we are slaves to the principles of this world. So what does that mean? Well, he's talking to the Jews here too, and he's like, you guys are slaves to you know, these works that you, that you would abide in, like these works of the law, these like Ten Commandments, these kind of things. You're slaves in, of that until the appointed time where the appointed time is where Jesus came to die for us, to fulfill these things. And so for us as well, um, you know, until, until we put our faith in Christ, it's like we're kind of slaves to, to what the, the world says God is, to what the world says morality is, and all these other things. But he's like, you know, there's, there's bigger hope than that. It's like have faith in Christ, and you'll, you'll enter into this new family and things like that. So with that said, um, welcome to the family, right? So that for those of you who are followers of Christ, it's like welcome to the family. <laughs> Um, I encourage you guys to check out a life group. I always say this because I love life groups. Check out a life group and start to get used to your brothers and sisters, right? Because we're going to be with each other forever, right? That's a long time, and I've got a lot of problems, so you're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> okay? So, so for, I don't know, check out our life group. Um, I, got a, I got a Seth Tonkar's, Pastor Seth's life group Thursday nights. You can come hang out with us and see how messed up we are, and it's a good time. So welcome out to the family, and, and I think also with being adopted into a new family, it's like, it's like this huge responsibility of, man, I should start living like <laughs> I'm a part of the family, right? So those of us who put our, our faith in Christ, how, how are we living like we're a part of the family? Do we, do we go to life group? Do we, are we in community with other brothers and sisters and things like that? And so how do we fix our focus not on ourselves, you know? So when I first came to Christ, it was almost like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like, I'm getting so blessed and, like, everything's so good and, it's all about me and like my life's great and which isn't always true by the way but that's how I felt and it's like man how where do I shift my focus into like okay I, I'm I'm entering into this family and it's like I, I kind of have a responsibility like how do I bless other people how am I inviting other people into the family as well right so if I was freely given this gift of this invitation to the family like how then am I able to to do that for other people inviting them into my lives how am I inviting them to the family dinners? How am I inviting them to the family events and things like that? So keeping that in the focus and um, this idea, this concept of blessing others isn't new. It's something that God commanded back in the Old Testament, like we're saying. He's like, that's a command. You bless other nations. He said to Abraham, be a blessing to other nations, right? And so we could, look at, we could easily look at that, look at any of the commands in the Bible and be like, oh man, God's just kind of like a dictator and he's like, you've got to do this or else. And I don't think that's true at all. I think he's saying that lovingly as a father, right? We keep going back to this analogy of God being the father. So like a father, he's just like, yeah, I know what's best for you. You know, I just, I just know what's best for you. Like for me and my son, um, well, that's a bad analogy. My son's like six, not even six months old, but I'm like, don't do that. And he, he doesn't really understand. But I, I, know, I, say, I say don't do that because in my head, I'm like, I know that that's going to be bad. Like, um, I don't know, good analogy, never mind. But <laughs> it's like... For, for anybody, like my dad, it's like, don't go in the middle of the street. And it's like, why? I want to do whatever I want. It's like, well, you're going to get hit by a car. <laughs> so same thing. God, uh, we, we just need to trust our father. He's, he's not a dictator. He's just a, a father who wants to lead us, right? Passionately, lovingly lead us. And so this brings a good question, too. Uh, for, for those of us who are investigating Jesus, what does that mean? So not, not assuming that everyone here is putting their whole trust in Christ, uh, believes Christianity or Jesus or anything like that. So if that's you, if you're investigating, I would say the invitation is for you as well right? So it's like, hey, you're invited to the family. Come check out Life Group. See what, see what the family's doing, right? See what this family's doing. See what we're all about. I'm telling you, this is, this is a family that's like no other family. Very messed up family. Don't get me wrong. We're no, no, at, by no means perfect at all. But 
what we know and what we acknowledge is that we have a father who is perfect, right? So not that we always get to follow each other's example, brothers and sisters in Christ. I know for me, it's really easy for me to be a hypocrite, and I'm a Christian, right? It's just hard. It's just part of our human nature that we're going to fail each other, we're going to fail others, but we have a God, a Father, who is perfect, who, that, who we reflect, and not, not each other in that way. So, second thing was, uh, what are we adopted into? We're adopted into a new family. And then third and last thing here, we are adopted into a new identity. So picking back up in verse 6, that's what he's saying here. Paul says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So identity. Some of you might be thinking, well, what's the difference between image and identity? Well, image is how others perceive you. Okay, so you can wear a shirt and that's, you perceive me, however you perceive me. But identity is who you actually are. So who you actually are is inside, okay? So with, with our image, for sure, it's, it's so easy to cover up. You know, I can look a certain way or I can portray myself in a certain way that might not reflect Christ, but it, and it might not reflect who I actually am inside, right? That's where this whole idea of being a hypocrite comes in, and I think we're all guilty of that. It's just hard to do sometimes. But we can easily cover up who we, um, who we, how we look to other people, but our identity, that's something that it, it's so much harder to cover up especially for those who, who are followers of Christ. We are now called image bearers, right? We are images of Christ. We reflect Christ in our heart. And the, the Holy Spirit, this is the work of the Spirit. The Spirit does that to the Christian. It, it comes into our heart, transforms us, gives us a new identity. So with your image being up to you, your new identity, the Holy Spirit does that work for you. And it can't be taken away. I love, uh, <laughs> just to note this, I love this word Abba here. Some of you guys might not know what this word Abba means. But in the original um, Aramaic language, the Abba means like daddy. So literally it's saying that when the spirit comes into you, the spirit cries out for you like daddy, right? Calling God the Father. And this is something that, uh, that Jesus himself said, um, and you'll see in the Gospel of Mark. So Jesus himself cries out daddy to God, right? So it's like, it's like that idea of having childlike faith. Not that you're an immature child, but that you have like childlike faith and you call to your father in that way. So when we do that, when we, when we know who we are, right? When we know who we are, then we know what to do. So when we know that we are a child of God, we can, we can then boldly live out our new identity. We can then bold, boldly do that. And then Paul elsewhere in another letter that he writes in Ephesians, um, he says it this way, Ephesians 4.22, there's a fly hanging around me, awesome. So, Ephesians 4.22, Paul says this. He says, You were taught, taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Which is, that's a huge fly. It's really distracting. <laughs> All right. Let me just start over, okay? Maybe. You going to let me do this? All right. So, Ephesians 4.22, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by, the, by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Just flipping the pages here, trying to, trying to hit that fly. All right. So, all to say, if you're still focusing here, <laughs> um, what Paul is saying is that, okay, you have this, there's this idea with new identities that you put off your old self and you put on your new self. And uh, in the Bible, it tells us, well, actually, Paul later on in Ephesians tells us uh, 
that your old self, that's like the non-Christian you, for those of us who are followers, right? This is the non-Christian you. It, it said that we, are, we were, and we, some of us still are, sons of disobedience, right? Under the wrath of God. That doesn't sound very nice. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome in a bad way. So we are sons of disobedience under the wrath of God. But when we put on our new self, when we, when we get adopted into this new identity by our faith in Christ, um, we put on our new selves, and he said that we are then children of light. Children of light. So if you're hearing it the same way that I might have been hearing it, like not even three years ago, um, this, this idea of putting off the old self, being sons of disobedience under the wrath of God, and putting on your new self, and uh, being children of light, no longer under the wrath of God. The wrath is on Jesus now. He took that away from us, and that's the gospel. For me, it reminds me of my first interaction with Pastor Tony, okay? So if you guys know my story, um, like not even three years ago, when I first, when I, before I was a Christ follower, uh, I reluctantly went to Grace Church, Bath Campus. Pastor Tony was uh, the pastor for uh, college ministries now, and, or then. And I go in there, and I hear, I hear him preach. It was like one of the first preachings I ever heard. And basically, all I remember is that he told me that anybody who wasn't a Christian was diseased, or that all humans were diseased, and that to be cured, we have to come to Christ. And I was just like, what is this dude talking about? Like, I'm a good guy. You don't know me, and, which wasn't true at all. But I'm like, I'm a good guy. You don't know who I am. Like, I don't believe this Bible crap. I'm like, there's no way. I'm like, this is a cult. <laughs> I'm like, how is this guy... Again, tell me I'm diseased. I'm like, I just remember being really offended, really angry, really angry at Pastor Tony. And I'm like, man. So for the next several months, I just remember just being bitter and angry and like just looking at different religions. And I'm like, how do I prove this guy wrong? I hate this guy. And I'm just like, I, you can hear the same thing, okay? You, you could be hearing the same thing as me. And if I have any encouragement for you, I'm like, man, save yourself months of being angry and seeking and just like go to the scripture, right? talk to me afterwards and be like, dude, what does this mean? Like, I'm angry at you because <laughs> of what the Bible says, right? This is what the Bible's saying. So that just reminded me of my interaction with Tony. And like I said, I encourage you guys just just flesh that out. Like, don't hold that in yourself. Just like, we, we love, I know, us as a staff here, we love getting those questions. Like, I'm wrestling with this. This doesn't make sense. Like, cool. doesn't make sense to me either. Let's find out together. And so that's what we do. So being a child, children of light, then, we, what that means is that we walk in, in exposing ourselves. So it's not that we are a good person, right? I, I was never a good person, if I'm honest with myself. I would just show my image to be a good person, where inside I'm not. But being children of light means that, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm also not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. And so being a children of light is I expose that. I expose my sin to other people. I go to a life group and tell them how messed up I am and how I need them. That's what it is. That's what it's like to be a family, and that's what it's like to, to live in our new identity, to be able to expose that to other people, to walk in light of those things. So that's the difference there. And um, So your new identity, like I said, this is something the Spirit gives you, something that cannot be taken away from you. But, but how then, how, how do I live that out? Okay, you're, you're talking about all this stuff. How do I live that out? I think if there's any encouragement to how to live this out, we can find in um, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. And uh, Ephesians 5, it says, be imitators of God, okay? Be imitators of God as beloved children. And it says some other stuff too, but really zoning on here. Therefore, be imitators of God. How I live out my identity? Uh, well, therefore, I get to know my dad, right? Be imitators of God. Get to know my dad. Get to know who he is. Be like my dad, okay? And be like Jesus. <laughs> be like Jesus as we see him in the, in the scriptures here. 
So how do we do that? We, we, we read what he wrote us. You know, God, Jesus, we, we believe that wrote this Bible. Not, not that he himself wrote it, but that he used people to write the Bible. So we believe that. And so with that, how do we live and look like Jesus? I have this challenge for us, okay? So especially for those of you who follow Christ, this is for everybody, a challenge for everybody. But if you, if you put your faith in Christ, man, this is a challenge for you this week. The challenge is read Ephesians 4, 25 to 32, okay? Because I can stand up here and, you know, talk for like an hour, which I might not be able to. I'm not a good talker. But I could talk about all these things, and it's like, it matters, but if we don't look at the scriptures ourselves in the week, then, like, that's on us. Like, we can come here every Sunday and get fed this way, but man, my encouragement and challenge is let's read this together. Let's read this together during the week, okay? So what we see in Paul, what Paul says here in Ephesians is there's very practical steps. Very practical steps about how to live as uh, in your new identity, how to live as a child of light, things like that, like we're talking about. So when you, when you look through this, don't, don't hear me wrong, when you look through Ephesians this week at these verses, don't look at it like a checklist. Because I know for me, I'm a person who I'm like, oh, okay, he says this, write that down, checkbox, check, check, did that this week, perfect. And it's like, then we're looking at that, what the Jews were getting um, <laughs> reprimanded for. It's like following the works of the law. And it's like, you, you don't do this to earn, to earn yourself favor for God, right? You don't do it for that reason. But you do it because it's like, man, I have a new identity. How do I live that out? I'm genuinely curious. I genuinely want to know how to, how to live that out. So that's why we're doing that. Um, Dallas Willard, some of you guys might know him. He's, a, he's an awesome Christian dude. He says, uh, he says this really good quote. This is what he says. He says that grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Okay? Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. So like, like what I'm saying, like what Paul's been saying in Galatians this whole time is like, you cannot earn yourself to God. You can't. He's accepting us. Just have faith and trust in him with everything we do in our life. But that doesn't mean that that, that grace doesn't allow us to have effort, right? We have to have some kind of effort. So you're, you're not earning a relationship with Jesus. You're now making an effort to be like Jesus because you're adopted into these things. So... Um, actually, just randomly yesterday, I, I watched this documentary on Netflix. It was called Beware of Christians. It's pretty cool, actually. I thought it was going to be horrible because it was on Netflix, and it was like four college students doing a documentary. But it was actually really good. So Beware of Christians. What they, basically what they were doing is they, they flew to Europe to get a consensus of like, people's worldviews. Okay? So like Christian and non-Christian, people's worldviews on like, very, very specific topics. Like Some of the topics was like the church. Some of it was like premarital sex. Some of it was like alcohol, things like that. So they're going around getting different perspectives of this. And all that to say, at, towards the end, what, what they found out is like, they're just really broken about it. They're like, man, like people are being told that, that they can just put their faith in Christ and like everything is going to be great and perfect and awesome, which, you know, it, it's true. It is going to be awesome when you do that. And you are saved by that reason. But he's seeing what they're doing is they saw that all these Christians are like not sure of their worldview on different things. And it's like they haven't put the effort to get to know their father. They haven't put their effort to get to know who Jesus is and what Jesus has to say about all these things. So then when, get, when they get peer pressured or when they get asked these questions, they're like, uh, I don't know, I'm just a Christian. <laughs> it's like, it's like where, man, these guys aren't putting the effort. So that's, that's a huge difference between effort and earning, okay? So effort is, you know, getting to know that stuff, getting to be able to, um, you know, 
like Paul would say, is like, have an answer for your faith. You know, how are we, how are we able to defend that, defend these different things that are going on in real life? Because it does happen, and people are going to challenge you about it. So it's up to us to put our effort in and to, to, to know those things. So, and, and for me, like I said just a little bit ago, it's like, man, put your faith in Christ, and I'm, I'm talking about that the whole time, and I'm like, that's such a good thing, and I, I would encourage everyone to do that, and that's what, that's what I put my life on now is like sharing people the gospel in that way. But if you're anything like me in the beginning, I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like, I get to follow Jesus, and my life is so much better. My life was crap before, and now it's awesome. And, like, I just got to be honest with you, just because I felt convicted by the documentary, actually. It's like, it's going to be awesome, but it's going to be the hardest thing probably you'll ever do. Right? For me, it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done is to be a Christ follower. It's because I have to look at all these pressures of the world and be like, man, I have to put so much effort into trying to get to know my Father, my Heavenly Father. I have to put so much effort in trying to be like Jesus because the world is going to tear me apart. And it's like, if I don't know my foundation, then I'm just going to be, go anywhere like I was before. And that's hard. It's hard to deny things. It's hard to say no to things. It's hard to say yes to things for Christ. So that's my encouragement for you. Hopefully you're encouraged by that. But it's a great thing. But <laughs> It's a hard thing. It's, it's a great thing to... To, to make an, um, an effort towards. So um, I'm going to invite the band up. And uh, just one final closing remark. Uh, if, if you are an investigator of Jesus, if, the, if you guys are, if there's someone who is like, hey, I'm still unsure about, about God and what that means, and like, I kind of relate to your story about how you're mad at Tony. I'm, I'm pretty mad about you for telling me my life is, needs to be changed and I need to be adopted and all these things. I would say, man, don't, don't hold that to yourself right? I'm going to be right out there. You can talk to me about it. You can ask me any question you want. Probably won't know the answer, but if I do, I'll tell you. If I don't, we'll find out together. But my encouragement for you is to, to not just hold on to yourself and be, just be angry about that, but to look to the scriptures and, and question other, other Christ followers. Be like, why do you believe this? Why, why is this this way? Why is this happening this way? So that's my encouragement for you. And yeah, so this week, I'm adopted. I really feel like Jesus wants us to know that through the scripture. Last week was I am accepted, so today I am adopted. So hopefully we'll see you next week for the end of the the Galatian series here, me and Jesus' words. So let's pray. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for for who you are. Lord, um, you're a good father, and uh, you give us commandments, and you you tell us to change our life, and it's hard. (laughs) But you don't do it because you're you're a dictator. You, You do it because you love us. Man, you love us, and you know what's best for us. Man, left to me, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's best for me and my family. I, I feel like if I were still not following you, I'm like, I don't know how I would lead my family or lead myself even or other people. But Lord, you give us a foundation to build ourselves on. You give, us, <laughs> you give it to us for free. You just say trust in your son. Trust in Jesus Christ who died for us and who rose again for us. Man, that, that's not easy. I'm not going to lie. But Lord, uh, you give us the strength to do that, Lord. You say that when we, when we accept this invitation that you freely gift, that you freely gifted to us, that you give us your spirit and you, you guide us, Lord. So, I, I, Lord, I pray that you continue to guide us in how to, how to do that, how to make an effort, not that we are having to earn anything towards you. Lord, you don't ask for that, but you ask for, for our effort and through this free gift. So I pray that, you know, for me even, as I'm convicted by it, it's like, Man, how am I making the effort to, to be like my dad, my heavenly father, to follow, to follow uh, Jesus? So, uh, 
help us with that, Lord. And um, if, if there's anybody here today who, like I said, was investigating, Father, I pray that they would just bring that to you first and foremost. Lord, that they get to pray to you and be like, God, I don't, I don't get this. God, I'm angry. Whatever it is, that I pray that they would bring it to you and, and ask you questions and maybe use me and use other people in the staff or, or anything like that to, to help these people with what they're struggling with, knowing that we're probably struggling with the same thing. Or just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm perfect by any means. I'm just admitting that I'm not. So Lord, we just thank you so much for your, your adoption. Lord, that you have accepted us and you adopt us into a kingdom, a kingdom forever. And I pray that uh, as brothers and sisters of that kingdom, that we would uh, love one another through that, knowing that we're going to be with each other forever. So Lord, help us with these things. And we just pray this in your name. Amen.